Well, it's good to be in the Lord's house with the Lord's people. Um, if you would, let's turn to Second Corinthians chapter 10. Second uh, Corinthians 10 verse 1. Now I, Paul, myself urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold toward you when absent. Paul's going to go on to talk about this. We could keep reading, but really, um, I just want to focus on this one thing that he says in verse 1. He says, I urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. And so what I want uh, to preach on and for us to think about is the meekness and gentleness of Christ. The meekness of Christ. What does meekness mean? Why does Paul say this? It's like he stops in the middle of what he's saying. He's got a lot to say. He's been urging them. He's going to continue to urge the Corinthians. There's some urgent matters, but he says he's going to urge them by the meekness of Christ. So in Paul's mind, he's thinking back. He's thinking back and he remembers something about Christ. What he's going to do, he's going to imitate Christ. He's thinking about the way that Christ was. Christ was a certain way. He was meek. And Paul's going to be the same way. He's going to imitate that. This isn't like in um, Romans 12, you know, where he says, I urge you by the mercies of God. That's when he mentions that he's saying the mercy of God is the motivation But here he's saying, I'm urging you by the meekness of Christ. That is, it's how he's going to urge. The meekness of Christ. And the truth is, Christ was meek and gentle. And he knows that. Paul knows that. And um, what does it even mean to be meek? That's probably the first thing we need to think about. It's not a word we use very often. Um... Well, you can tell what it's paired up with here right in the very verse. It says meekness and gentleness. They're synonymous. Um, Meekness kind of has a few more shades of meaning, but uh, especially I'm told that back in the day, meekness used to almost be, um, it's like you you could use either word, meek or gentle. They meant the same thing. Today they mean a little bit different, but... This word here that's behind meek um, in the original, it's actually, in. if you have a New American Standard Bible, every other time it's used, it's translated gentleness. So we don't need to be real confused about what it means or what he's talking about. Really, and that's, and so I'm going to talk about the gentleness of Christ, just because that's the word we normally use, gentleness. Um, it's... Uh, It's not to be confused um, with other things, though. To think about someone being gentle, sometimes we don't 
uh, I don't know, it can almost be looked down upon as a weakness. Anybody ever feel that way? It's like, if I act gentle in this situation, that's me being weak. And sometimes, depending on how you define gentleness, that can be the case. If, if gentleness, what I've found a lot of times, the temptation really what it comes down to in certain situations, Christ wasn't always gentle. Some situations call for boldness, and even Paul, he knows that. Um, and the temptation is in those situations where you're not supposed to be gentle in this, in this way. It's, it's really it's a, kind of like a backing down, or it is a weakness, or, or maybe giving in to the fear of man. Or um, maybe not saying what needs to be said. But gentleness is actually a good thing. We know that. Uh, The scriptures talk about it a lot. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So, sermon on the gentleness of Christ. If if you kind of recoil at that, just think about that for a moment. The scriptures command gentleness. In fact, most of the places, and I don't even really want to talk about our responsibility to be gentle so much, but that's what it is in the Bible most of the time. If you do a word study on gentleness, it's about us, how we're supposed to be gentle. It's it's important. Don't look down on gentleness. Um, there's something really wonderful here when Paul says the meekness and gentleness of Christ. To be gentle, you're not loud, you're not showy or bold. And he says that in here, he contrasts it uh, with being bold. But also, I thought this was kind of a helpful picture. If you look in 1 Corinthians 4, chapter um, chapter 4, verse 21, he says, What do you desire? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? So that's one way you can think about it too. If you're just trying to think about what does it mean, gentleness, you could think, well, it's kind of the opposite of using a rod. If you use a rod, you're probably not being very gentle. You're being forceful. You're gonna, you're gonna get, you're gonna get what you want by force. Um, you're gonna use a lot of uh, power in doing that. But when Christ was gentle, he wasn't weak. We know that Christ has all power. I was thinking about the verse where. John the Baptist of Christ says that when he comes, his threshing fork is in his hand and he'll gather up the chaff and he'll burn it up with unquenchable fire. He's powerful. So we know that when Paul's saying the meekness and gentleness of Christ, he's not saying he was weak. Why is gentleness necessary? It's necessary. You have to be gentle um, when you're dealing with something that's delicate or something that's fragile. And that can be a physical condition. If somebody's sick, you might have to deal with them really gently. Um, or it can even be the emotions. Maybe someone emotionally, they're very very weak and tender, and if you're not gentle, you're going to harm them. Um, in thinking about Christ being gentle, I would say it's in one way, you know, it's like if you look up If you get a theology book and you're looking at the attributes of God, it's probably not going to have gentleness in there. Um, And I don't even know if gentleness is really an attribute proper, so to speak. Um, Because God, He doesn't have to be gentle with Himself. Whereas, like if you think of the members of the Trinity, they're all perfect. God 
who he is, I mean, he's perfection. He can't be harmed. But we're very weak. So when you're talking about him interacting with us, that's where you see this uh, attribute. This, this is one of um, his ways. And we see it especially in the person of Christ. Him dealing with us because we're very weak on a whole lot of levels. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about even in the Old Testament, does it ever talk about gentleness, the gentleness of God or something like that? Well, not very much. Um, most, of, most of the terms you could look up that are kind of like gentleness, don't, they, they don't really occur that much, but there are a few. And this one I thought I should read. This is from Psalm 18. I don't know if you've ever thought about this verse. I'm going to start reading in verse 30. As for God, His way is blameless or perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He's a shield to those who take refuge in Him. For who is our God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? The God who girds me with strength and makes my way blameless. He makes my feet like hinds feet and sets me upon my high places. He trains my hands for battle so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. And your right hand upholds me, and your gentleness makes me great. So it's like in talking about God strengthening His people, and He's like a rock. <laughs> He's perfect. It says, your gentleness makes me great. And that's, what, that's the word there, gentleness. Your gentleness makes me great. It's like God has to, when He deals with us, that's one of the things He has to do. He has to be gentle because we're really fragile. And the Psalms talk about that too, our frailty, our, our um, weaknesses. And God deals gently with us. We especially see this in the person of Christ. How is He gentle toward us? How is Christ gentle? Well, one thing you can think of is toward His disciples. You know, Christ wasn't always gentle, but this is one time where you see it coming out a lot. Toward His disciples. And um, as disciples, one of the areas that we have the most weaknesses, um, I was just thinking about our, our pace of sanctification. So what kind of a pace does, does Christ set? in terms of sanctification? What are, what are the demands? Does He deal with everybody in the same way? Is everybody at the same place in their walk with the Lord? And what kinds of things do we run into? How does Christ treat us? I was um, thinking about the verse in Hebrews chapter 5. It talks about us trying to follow after the Lord. We're trying to bear fruit, walk with God. But we have a lot of weaknesses. That's what it says. I mean, don't forget that. Don't forget. I mean, I'm sure you know, but remember, uh, we should never get to a place where we feel like we don't need God to help us and to be tender with us. I mean, if you think, if you think you're really strong and you don't have many weaknesses, then that's a weakness right there. I mean, um, we, we need that. And he says in Hebrews 5 verse 2 that, Christ, as a high priest, as a man that went through this life, he knows how to deal gently 
with the ignorant and the misguided. <laughs> That's a good summation of us, is ignorant and mis- misguided. We need direction from the Lord, and He can deal gently, and He does. Um, what would it be like if He didn't deal gently with the ignorant and the misguided? As soon as you made a mistake, He would just be on your case like that. Was that how Christ treated His disciples? No, He put up with all kinds of stuff. And they seemed, it seemed like they were so slow to catch on sometimes. And He didn't say, alright fellas, hit the road, like forget about it. Or He wouldn't just blast them and rail against them. Sometimes He would say hard things, but it's interesting the way He treats His disciples. Um, it's like they were little children in His sight, and He dealt with them that way. A verse that came up just recently, uh, a few weeks ago, I think on Sunday, was that verse in Isaiah 40. It's a prophecy about Christ, and it says that like a shepherd, He would gently lead the nursing ewes. So you've got these sheep, and they've got these little nurslings, and it's like you have the pace you set, it has to be uh, slower, and it has to be gentle. If you get to a rocky spot, you might have to carry them. And Christ is that way. He's very gentle toward His, his sheep. Um, he doesn't just say, you know, come on, keep up, let's go. He's watching out for us. The pace of sanctification. Because we're not all at the same place. We, we start out as infants, and He brings us along. And He only puts things across our path that He, he, he knows that we're able to bear. Um, sometimes we get worn out. And uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. This one, it's in Mark chapter 6. With His disciples, they needed rest. Mark chapter 6, verse 31, And He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest for a while. For there were many people coming and going and they did not have time to eat. And Christ was aware of that. And He knows when His people needs rest. He gives rest to the weary. Even in revealing truth, sometimes um, there are things that He knows that He doesn't even, he doesn't even reveal to us or show to us. Um, if you want a verse on that, it's in John chapter 16. Verse 12, he says, I have many things to tell you, many other things, but you're not able to bear them right now. He could have, and that was in the upper room, he was saying a lot, but apparently he had even more to say that they weren't ready for. They were not able to bear it. It would have been too much, too much responsibility, I don't know, too much demand, or maybe even just the weight of the truth itself. Sometimes truth is weighty. And uh, when God reveals it, it has an impact on you. You know, it'd be, it'd be really fearful to think that the way it works in the Christian life is that God just gives you all the truth at the beginning and then expects you to live by it all and just walk by it all. No, when He reveals truth to you, and as He does, He expects you to walk in it. I mean, there's timing in it. And Christ is that way. He was that way with His disciples. But this thing of what we can bear... That's, I think, a really important element. Um, There, he says, in terms of truth, you're not able to bear it. But we also know that the same thing is true when it comes to 
um, our growth in grace and our facing temptation. And there's scripture on that too. Are, are we able to bear certain temptations? And the Bible says that Christ, that, that God will never send you a temptation that you're not able to bear. He's gentle. He's not going to do that. Um, we can be really thankful for that. We pray, Lord, lead us not in a temptation, and we don't have even the slightest idea what He's protecting us from. You know, again, like, don't look at yourself as, man, I must, I'm really strong, I'm doing great. Like, no, it's that Christ is, is dealing very gently, very skillfully with you. And one, one other thing about that, what that means is, um, and this was something that uh, the Lord showed me not actually too long after I became a Christian. When temptation comes your way, don't just moan and don't just like, you know, um, get upset at God. Like, why is this? I mean, you feel weak, but the, the truth is he never sends you a temptation that is more than you can handle ever. What that means is when he gives you a temptation, he's he's chosen it he's planned it and okay it's come along your path now and he expects you to have victory over that you can handle that i've i'm not i'm not giving you more than you can bear and uh that's an encouraging thing because um in spite of all of our weakness and failure it means that god is giving us the privilege to uh overcome these this trial or this temptation whatever it may be He's going to give us the strength, the way out, the way of escape in Him. Um, he knows how to work with His own like that. It's like you put the appropriate weight on a person's shoulders. You know, if they're really strong, they can carry a lot more. If they're not, you, you've got to parcel it out in smaller amounts. You have to be gentle. And Christ is that way. And even when we fall into sin... What about that? He gives us a temptation. He meted it out. It was right. It was fitting. It was for our good. He let it come along. And uh, we fall into sin. What then? Does the, does the, is the gentleness over at that point? Christ's disciples, did they ever sin? How did Christ, how did He treat them? All the time, the disciples were manifesting pride and unbelief and prayerlessness, <laughs> and Christ continued to deal gently with them. I mean, I think we we ought to be really thankful for this. I mean, haven't haven't you ever the the thought is that God surely He's going to treat me like like I deserve and like I would like I've treated people so many other times. He's not going to be gentle with me. He's going to be angry. He's going to be upset. He's going to be harsh. And what is it when we fall into sin? Does the gentleness stop there? I think um, one of the best examples of this is in the upper room. Okay? It's the night before Christ's death, His crucifixion. He's with His disciples. Judas is going to betray Him. Okay? So that's already the atmosphere. And the disciples... Uh, are arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the upper room. And Christ is trying to teach them about forgiveness and how He's going to go to the cross for them and He's a ransom for their sin. 
And they're talking about who's going to be the greatest. In front of him, he overhears it. What does he do? It's interesting. If you put the two accounts together, Luke's gospel and John's gospel, they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And it's at that point that Christ gets up and takes a towel and goes around to each one of them and begins to wash their feet. And he says, he says, look, you guys are acting like the Gentiles. This is the way that they act. He says, with you, he's, I'm among you as one who serves. The greatest among you is, is the servant. And he's teaching them. They've already fallen into sin and he's bringing them out of it very gently. He's, he's instructing them. It's, it's amazing. You would think if out of all the time, surely because of what he's trying to teach them there and, and, and the cross in the background, you would think that that kind of sin in the presence of Christ, if ever he was going to pull out his paddle and let them have it, that was going to be the time. But he, he didn't. He was really gentle. And um, we know what that's like as believers. You fall into sin and you go to God and He doesn't cut you off and He doesn't deal with you harshly. He's very gentle. Even with Peter, He's preparing Peter for his denial. Peter's great sin that he's going to weep about and be broken about. He, he gives him advance warning about it. Peter, I want you to know you are going to deny me. He's doing that gently to prepare him to soften the blow. And he's trying to tell him, when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. Um, he was praying for him. In the garden, the disciples fall asleep. And Christ comes to him. And I mean, <laughs> you'd think maybe like the angel in the book of Acts, he would kick him or something. Wake up, this is the most important time. Pray. And then he goes back to prayer and he comes back and they're asleep again. And they're asleep a third time. It's, it's consistent prayerlessness. And he's still gentle with them after consistent prayerlessness. And Peter denies him. And then at Peter's reinstatement, do you remember? Um, you know, see, that's part of the thing. When Peter denied Christ, he just he saw Christ and he began to weep. He already felt bad enough about it. If you're, you know, this is the thing. If you're, tr if you truly belong to the Lord, when you fall into sin, your weaknesses, you're not going to use Christ's gentleness as some kind of uh, license to sin or to stay in sin. You feel bad about it already. And uh, the thing is, okay, with Peter on the shore, Christ is talking to him. And he makes him, he asks him three times, do you love me? And if you read that wrong, you might think, well, man, that's kind of harsh. Like, do you love me? And then he tells him basically, yes. And he keeps asking. It's like, it's, is he just rubbing in his face or what's he doing? See, I think the thing is, I don't think that he's um, doing that because he needs to hear Peter say it. Peter, I need to hear you say it. It's, he's doing it for Peter's sake. So that Peter three times could tell the Lord that he did belong to him. He, Lord, you know that I love you. He was dealing with Peter gently even then. Um, the gentleness of Christ with his disciples in terms of sanctification, uh, temptations that we face, even falling into sin. 
The Apostle Paul knew this firsthand. And he's the one that's talking here that says, I'm urging you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Think about Paul and his conversion. Okay, here's a guy who's persecuting the church, putting people to death, dragging them off into prison. And Christ appears to him on the road. This glorious light shines, knocks him to the ground. And um, what does he say? Saul. And then he says it again, just to make sure he's listening. Saul, why are you persecuting me? <laughs> and, and Saul says, who are you, Lord? You know, it's like he asked him. He even says, uh, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. He sees it's hard for Paul. Paul's fighting against this. And he deals with Paul really gently. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Um, When God speaks, when He works in His people, He can do it in a gentle way without losing the power of it. It's still very powerful. The Lord's working in our life. Um, you know, I don't even really want to jump into application on this of like how we need to imitate Christ. I think this is something we just need to be thankful for, to be reminded of. Um, There's definitely a lot of application. Again, I mean, if you read through the Scriptures, gentleness mainly is talking about us and our responsibility. But to know that God deals with us this way. It's like we're His children. He's our Father. Um, You know, the Scriptures say, fathers, don't exasperate your children. And He doesn't do that to us. He doesn't. He bears with our weaknesses. But there's one other application specifically. When we do see Christ being gentle, uh, that I want to turn to and look at as well. And this is in Matthew 11. This maybe was the verse that came to your mind if you're thinking about the gentleness of Christ. Matthew 11, verse 28. Christ wasn't always gentle and He's not gentle toward everyone. But this is another group. Not only His disciples, but the weary. He's gentle with those that are lost and weary. If you're not saved, if you're lost, listen to this. This is Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Christ is inviting the weary to come to Him. This isn't just a a general invitation to all sinners. He doesn't just say, okay, sinful, rebellious world, come to me and I'll deal gently with you. No, He says, you who are weary. That's really important. I, I, I would ask you not just, are you lost? Are you weary? Is sin something that makes you tired? Is it something that's heavy for you? Because if it's not, this is not going to make any sense. This invitation, it won't do you any good. 
unless you know something about the weight of sin. But if sin is something that's heavy for you and weighs you down and you get tired of it and you grow weary of it, He says here, come to Me. I am gentle. If your concern is that if you come to God, you're weary, you're weighed down by sin, but if you come to God and you try and deal with God, He's going to be harsh with you. You can put that out the window. Christ says right here, as an invitation to the lost, come to Me, I'm gentle. If you're weary, come to Me. And if you look over in chapter 12, uh, for me it's on the same page. In verse 20, it says, A battered reed he will not break off, and a smoldering wick he will not put out. You're bruised. You're smoldering. It's like you don't have anything left, and you're weak and you're frail, and Christ will deal gently with you. It's more than even just mercy. Not only can your sins be forgiven, but there is, there's tenderness and love to be found in God. He doesn't make this invitation toward the proud or the self-sufficient or the self-righteous. You know, I talk about self-righteousness sometimes. What's really important to think about, sometimes people will say, I'm not self-righteous, you know, I acknowledge my sin. I know, I'm a sinner. Most of the time, though, when you talk to people about stuff like that, all they're thinking about is their sin against other people. Like, yeah, I see, you know, I failed toward this person, I failed toward this person. I want to talk about self-righteousness between just between you and God. That's really where your sin matters the most between you and God Himself. Do you sense your sin in the sight of God? That's really what matters. You know, you can, you can sense that you've sinned against another person, but until you've sensed that you've offended God, you won't find mercy in Christ. He's, he's calling those that are bruised, that are broken, and He says, I am gentle toward you if you come to Me. That's who I am. That's the way that I am. If you sense your sin, if you feel the weight of your sin in the sight of God, as awful as it is, as wrong as it is, the way you've lived your life, Christ will still deal gently with you. I think um, the Scriptures say a lot um, also about Christ's power. What will it be like on the day of judgment? It won't be gentleness. Uh, the scriptures say it's a day of fury. The fury of God. In Psalm 2, a prophecy about Christ, it mentions the rod of iron, which He has to shatter the nations. On judgment day, there will not be gentleness. I mean, you have to turn to Christ. You have to come to Him now. His gentleness is now. You have to hide yourself in Christ. And I think that um, that's part of... I think that's part of what's going to make it so regretful for those on Judgment Day that didn't come to Christ, that blew Him off, 
is here's the thing. You're dealing with the king of kings. The lion of Judah, the man of God's right hand, the man of power. And he gently extends mercy. I think that's what makes the regret so bad is because you you realize you've totally rejected his gentleness and his mercy. He gave you opportunity to repent and come to him. Gently, I mean, thinking it, he would have received me gently if I just would have come, if I would have come to Christ, if I would have set myself to come to Him in all of my sin. For someone that says no thanks to Christ, that's got to be the height of regret at the end of their life. Don't do that. I plead with you, don't do that. I mean, don't take His gentleness and His mercy for granted. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you never change and that uh, in spite of your exaltation, you condescend and come toward us Thank you, Lord, for watching over us, for dealing with us, helping us in our weakness. We worship you and love you. I pray, Lord, please, uh, if there's anyone here that does feel their weight of sin, that they would come to you and find you gentle. Lord, please, would you draw the lost, I pray, uh, You're worthy, Lord. Thank you again for Christ. Thank you for sending him for us. We want to know you more. We want to be like you. We want to be near you. We pray, Lord, even that you would continue to strive with us by your spirit. Don't let us go. Don't let us, don't leave us to ourselves. We commit ourselves into your hand and ask this in Christ's name. Amen.